Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Well, this morning we're going to be sharing the Word. I'm going to be sharing our Christmas story, part two. And if you want to get ahead, you can go to the uh, book of Luke. And we're going to be in the first chapter of Luke in just a little while. Or you can just watch uh, on the screen and read along with me, okay? And this morning, this message this morning is designed to change your life forever. Today, you should get enough that you can take with you and be able to, you know, use it the rest of your life for yourself. But also, you should get enough so that you can give to someone else sometime this week. So are you ready for the word? Let me begin by telling you that one moment of favor is worth a thousand days of labor. One moment of favor. And today we're going to talk about favor just a little bit. And one moment of favor is worth a thousand days of labor. Do you know it's not what you know that is more important than who you know? Who you know gives you a chance to show what you know. And if who you know gives you a chance to show what you know, you better know. Because if you don't know, everybody knows know you don't know. Okay? But it's who you know that makes a difference. If who you know gets you into heaven, then who you know should work for everything else. And it's very important to remember today that one moment of favor is worth a thousand days of labor. You can work and work and work and you can toil and you can do everything imaginable, but yet one moment of someone favoring you can change your life forever. God wants us to know just how much He loves us. God wants us to understand that He did a lot over the past you know, 6,000 years as we calculate since Adam. Over the 6,000 years of biblical history that we can read, God did a lot. He did a lot working through people and choosing people and helping them. He did a lot to create an example for us so that we can understand how God works in our lives. You know, life is not always easy. Life can be difficult. But when God is working in our lives, He's not just bringing us, you know, um, a comfort for our problems. He actually gives us victory in our situations and victory over the situations of life. God has labored diligently, choosing men and women and providing them as examples for us to follow. God even went a step further. He gave us a Bible. He chose men and women and inspired them by the Holy Spirit to write these stories of all the examples of the people that he worked with and worked through to show us what he can do. He decided to write those down, not just as an historical account, but also as a roadmap for us. The Bible encourages us to realize what God did in the life of someone else, he also can do in our lives. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the story of the Bible. And that's the one story that God is telling. The Bible gives us a record of so many events. But no event is more important and no record more important than the account of the birth of Jesus Christ. 
There are so many things that surrounded that birth. And this morning, I want to take us back into Luke chapter 1, and I want to read just a little bit about that first Christmas. Let me set it up by telling you that it was about this time of year. There was a festival of lights. You know, today begins the Jewish holiday Hanukkah, which commemorates the dedication and rededication of the temple. And this festival of lights was going on during the time of Jesus. It commemorated that second temple dedication. And it was a celebration in Jerusalem and all throughout the land of Israel. Well, it was just about this season of the year. Just about now, whenever we read in Luke chapter 1 about the angel Gabriel being sent by God to a virgin in the city of Nazareth. He was sent to her with a very special message, perhaps the holiest message that had ever been shared. We're going to pick up in Luke chapter 1. And this is just after this angel had visited Zacharias, the priest, and told him that he and his wife would have a son, and it would be John the Baptist. Well, about six months after that event, we pick up in verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Now the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. We'll talk about that favor in a moment. And behold, the angel said, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Verse 34, then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, I have been to this city of Nazareth several times. In fact, we have a family here that's actually, you know, their family lives in Nazareth, you know, and uh, uh, I've, I've been to Nazareth with you guys. But in this city of Nazareth, we understand during the time of Jesus, there were approximately 400 families lived in this little city. The city of Nazareth sets up on a hill. And the hill, if you look to the west, you could go off of that hill and down into the Jezreel Valley. Mount Tabor is just to the south in that Jezreel Valley. And if you went to the east, you would fall off down through a little city called Cana of Galilee, where, uh, where the wedding, you know, if, if, if you've read the New Testament, there was a wedding there where Jesus turned water into wine. And then you get down to another little valley and you turn back and, oh, there you would go from the north back to the 
to the uh, east and you would end up at the Sea of Galilee. Beautiful, picturesque place. A beautiful place. But right on top of that little hill, there was an old city market. The old city market is still there today. And right in the middle of that city market, there's a, a, you know, an, an old a foundation of the old synagogue. There's a church there now. But it was the old synagogue where Jesus went to church as a little boy. And right there where he learned how to read and write, where he preached his first sermon in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And uh, it was right there in that community with all the houses around there. Somewhere where this angel showed up to Mary. Now, the way that Luke records this, he's trying to paint a picture for us. He's trying to uh, show us things without giving us every detail. He is, he, he is trying to show us how this angel appeared. And, 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 and it must have been inside. And, 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 and Mary, you know, was alone at the time. And so most likely it was like in her house, maybe, maybe in her bedroom, you know, uh, you know uh, because the words that Luke uses, he says, and, and, and having come in, having come in. That means that, that, that this angel came into a place where, Mary was and and in that time and indeed in this time I don't recommend it either but in that time virgins who were betrothed to be married who were engaged you know uh, they were not allowed to fraternize or, or to connect or to you know to socialize with young men and and uh, you know they 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 had their maidens around them and they had their lady uh, you know uh, ladies uh, you know that, that they that they talked to but men especially in, in public especially in private I mean, you're not supposed to be with a man in private as a virgin who is engaged to another person. So it was quite odd. And it concerned her. It perplexed her. Because most of her time would have either been spent with her friends or by herself in prayer, in preparation. Getting ready for the wedding because, you know, she would have to go over her garments and lay her garments out at night because, you know, the bridegroom's going to come at night. And, and, and she's waiting for that trumpet that's going to sound, uh, announcing that, uh, that, that the bridegroom is coming. And, 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 and the bridegroom's best friend is going to say, the bridegroom comes. And, and so she's got to keep a lamp ready and she's got to keep oil in the lamp and change the oil out. So she has a lot of things to do, just, just, just waiting, not knowing the day nor the hour in which, you know, her bridegroom would come. And so she's waiting with her lamp ready and with her garments ready and so no doubt she's startled by this angel appearing to her and you know I mean was he hiding there all day long <laughs> you know did he come through a window did he come through the door does does, does daddy know he's here uh, I mean what happened did he just you know appear out of thin air well you know let's read that portion of the scripture again Luke 1 verse 28 and having come in talking about Gabriel having come into wherever she was having come in the angel said to her rejoice highly favored one the Lord is with you blessed are you among women now now okay get this in your head this is a real happening this really really happened think about it you're in your bedroom alone and boom a man you hear his voice Rejoice, get happy, be happy, I'm here. That sounds like a lot of your bedrooms tonight, doesn't it? Be happy, I'm here. <laughs> Rejoice. It's me. This no doubt startled her. And, and, and then what he says to her, you know, uh, highly favored one, you know, you know, I mean, come on now. Rejoice. <laughs> You're a good one. You know, 
what's going on here? The Lord is with you. Blessed are you. I mean, you are, you are one blessed lady. The greeting was common among God's people. You know, many people have common greetings. This time of the year, we say Merry Christmas. It's a common greeting. And people who are of different religious and cultural affiliations have different greetings. And greetings are very common. Uh, you know, if you were to go with me to Kenya today, uh, in, instead of saying when you met another Kenyan, instead of saying habadiako, which is Swahili for how you're doing, and, and, and uh, you know, the answer would be uh, Missouri, like Missouri. Isn't that great? That means, means I'm doing well. Missouri. If you're doing real good, you say Missouri sana. But if you're a Christian, you have a different greeting. Christians don't say habadiako. Christians, when they see one another, they say you know, the Lord bless you. You know, praise the Lord. And the answer is, means, you know, yes, praise him much. Every culture has their greetings, and every, uh, you know, religious group has their greetings. This was not an uncommon greeting. To see a young lady and to tell her, you know, you're blessed by God. The Lord is with you. Your favor, the favor of the Lord is upon you. So, you know, it, 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 it could just be a common greeting uh, or it could be just flattery. Because many times common greetings, you know, uh, turn into flattery because, you know, they're just surface. They're just something that people are used to saying, Merry Christmas, how you doing? Whenever you say somebody, hey, hey, how's it going? You don't really want to know. It's just surface. You're just saying that. Because if somebody stops and takes the time to really tell you how they're doing, you really realize, oh my goodness, you know, I did say how you're doing, but I didn't mean it. So this greeting was common among God's people. But it was delivered in a very unusual way, simply because this may have been a greeting like, like that, 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 you know, uh, one woman would have given to another or perhaps a father or a family member. But here it is a complete stranger and a man at that. And this young lady, this young teenager is engaged to be married. And she's, you know, perhaps in, in, in the privacy of her own bedroom. And all of a sudden this guy pops out from behind the curtain and says, hey, hi favored one uh, you are looking good bless God's with you this kind of gave Mary a reason to be concerned and she asked herself you know what in the world is he doing here you know how did he get here and what does he mean and where is he going with this verse 29 confirms that but when Mary saw him she was troubled because of what he said and she considered what manner, what, 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 what does he mean by this greeting? What is, what is he, where is he going with this? Verse 30, then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You know, uh, words, uh, these words are reasonable words, but, but more than the words, You've experienced it. I've experienced it. Mary was experiencing. There was something. They were gracious words, but there was some power, 
some presence. There was something deeper, something more about these words than just flattery or just service or just how you doing or just Merry Christmas. There was something deeper connected here. You see, she was hearing not just the voice of a man or not just the voice of a, of, of a family member, not just the voice of a friend, but she was hearing the voice of Almighty God. She was hearing the Word of God, a messenger of God sent fresh from God. And when he was speaking the Word of God to her, the message that God had sent him, perhaps the holiest message that had ever been sent, as he was speaking the Word of the Lord to her, she no doubt felt it somewhere different than just going in her ears and into her mind and her trying to consider what is he saying, what does this mean, what manner of greeting is this, being troubled. All of a sudden when he spoke to her and she heard him, it must have pierced her soul. And somewhere down deep inside of her, she must have gained the confidence to open up her heart and open up her ears. That's what the Word of God will do. It hits us different than anything else, different than just someone's opinion or someone's, you know, good advice. When the Word of God is spoken, it releases a power. The Bible tells us that no Word of God is void of power. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. When we hear the Word of God in song, when we hear the Word of God preached, when we hear the Word of God read, when we read the Word of God ourselves and hear it in our head, it does something different to us than just mere words of flattery or words that are being misused or words that are, that, that, that are in some way benefiting the speaker. Something happened. There must have been a presence in this word that pierced her soul and spoke to her in a way that nothing else could. You see, one word from God changes everything. It changes how we feel. It changes how we think. It changes what we want. It changes what we imagine that we are capable of. All of the sudden, the Word of God came to her. And what did God say? Through this messenger, God said to her, Do not be afraid. Why? Because there was plenty to be afraid of. Number one, there's a man in your room. Number two, you have been chosen as a young lady who has never known a man. You have been chosen to become pregnant with the Son of God. You think that's not going to cause a problem? Do you think everybody just believed that one? You think mom and daddy going to be happy? You think neighbors, you think Joseph is going to be all excited about this? Do you think that her future looked really bright if you laid it out on paper? That her firstborn son was going to be, by all practical uh, you know, uh, uh, understanding, perfect in every way and without sin, but yet he would be dragged through the streets. He would be martyred, crucified. He would. <laughs> Do you think she was looking forward to this? She had plenty to be afraid of. But the word of the Lord came to her about her life, about her future, about her moment, about her circumstances, about all the unknowns in life. She could not have understood all the implications, but she did hear the word of God. And the word of God first to her was, do not 
be afraid. Why? Because I am with you. I have favored you. I have chosen you to be highly favored and to carry the Son of God. I have chosen you and for that reason you are more blessed than you ever would be had you not said yes to me. You are blessed and you have the favor of God. You see, one moment of favor is worth a thousand days of labor. It's even worth an eternity. Later, as Luke continues to write about this Christ child, he writes about him growing up. In the second chapter of Luke, later in the chapter, Luke is writing and he's telling us that Jesus grew. And as Jesus grew in stature and wisdom, he also grew in favor with God and man. Imagine what it would be like to find out that you were favored by God. What would it be like? What would it be like if God sent a messenger to tell you that his word for you is this, you are highly favored of God. You are blessed because God is with you. Wow. Would you still be afraid? If God said to you, don't be afraid because God is with you. In Luke chapter 1 verse 30, as we read it a moment ago, the phrase, do not be afraid, that's what the angel said, do not be afraid. You know, we use the English word afraid, uh, afraid but it's translated from a Greek word, uh, uh, phobio, where we get the word phobia from. Now, phobia means basically to run away or to stay away from or to hide from mentally or physically uh, because of fear or worry or anxiety, okay? To, to, to get away from. To imagine that something's going to hurt you even when it may not be presently hurting you, and even though it may not ever have hurt you, nonetheless, to be afraid that it's going to hurt you. And therefore, you want to mentally, emotionally, physically, you want to get away from it, you want to hide from it, you want to run from it, you want to stay away from it, you want to do anything you can to avoid it. I submit to you that fear itself is not always unreasonable, but unrealistic fear is unrealistic fear is always unreasonable how do we know if our fear is unrealistic well a good place to start is with the Word of God if God says don't be afraid of this then don't be afraid of this it doesn't mean that you won't be tempted it doesn't mean you won't be attacked it doesn't mean that that, that you'll make it hundred percent on the first day but it does mean that your goal is to bring your life to the place where you are no longer held captive and running from and hiding from and and kept away from that your goal is to do what you can with God in prayer and to do what you can with counsel and others to bring yourself to the place to where you do not fear why because you're highly favored of God you are blessed by God and God is with you it's a good place to start so that fear does not end up, unreasonable fear does not end up controlling our lives. You know, there are some really bizarre 
fears out here. There are some really bizarre phobias. You know, have you ever Googled phobias? My goodness, there are, there are more than you can imagine. There are some really strange ones out here. Do you know there's an identifiable phobia of trees? There are people that are afraid of trees. I mean, that's, woo, trees. And wood, by the way. Some people even have a, a, a fear of wood. Interesting. There's a fear of the color yellow. There is a phobia. You know, I, I can't pronounce these phobias, but there is a phobia. Of, there are people, there's a whole group of people out here that have been diagnosed with problems and panic attacks because they are afraid of the color yellow. You want to know why sometimes when you sit down, somebody gets up and walks out? You're wearing yellow. <laughs> can't be there, can't go there, can't do that. Can you imagine that? Wow. Hey, there is even a phobia of belly buttons. Yeah. That's true. People are afraid. They, they don't like to see their own, but they can't stand seeing anyone else's. And you know what else they do? Whenever they're standing talking to people, they know they have one under their shirt or their blouse. And so many times, as I read, they will go somewhere else so they won't have to be directly confronted with the fact that the person they're talking to has a belly button. Now, you may not know it, but that's going on in their head there. It's limited. It's making them want to run. It's making them want to hide. It's making them want to get out of there. Your belly button's a threat to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, that explains a lot, Mike said. There are people who are afraid of wind, afraid of string. There is a diagnosable phobia uh, of, of taking a shower, taking a bath, or being clean. Now, you know what the worst thing about fear is? Those people are really afraid. That's the worst thing about it. You cannot discount someone's fear. You can't make fun of it. You can't discount it. You know, well, we make a little bit of fun of that yellow thing. But <laughs> if somebody, the worst thing for a person who is afraid of something, whether it's realistic or unrealistic, is that they are really afraid. And that's where we have to have compassion and help them uh, uh, to, to, to move forward in life. But listen, there are fears. Do you know there is a fear of dancing phobia, dance phobia? It's not of people, you know, going to, I'm going to break out in dancing somewhere. No, not like that. It's, it's, it's fear of people who are dancing, not fear to dance. There should be more of that. But, <laughs> but it's the fear of people who are dancing. What, I mean, you know, phobias are, you know, come for all kinds of reasons, you know, uh, from being traumatized early in life, you know, uh, I don't know, or, or, or all kinds of reasons that phobias, you know, uh, uh, people take. But anyway, and there are tons of people that have a phobia that I can't even pronounce. I'll put it up on the screen for you because I can't pronounce it. I can't try to even. Okay, this is a phobia called that. It is the fear of getting peanut butter stuck to the roof of your mouth. Now, I can understand strange men showing up in my bedroom startle me a little bit. But peanut butter? And afraid that peanut butter is going to get stuck to the roof of my mouth? Whew. Okay. <laughs> 
But nonetheless, lots of people have this phobia. One of the latest phobias, and, and I'll, I'll move forward in a minute. I just got to tell you about this one. One of the latest phobias to be researched and, and diagnosed during the past decade is nomophobia. Now, we're told that more than 50% of the people in the United Kingdom and almost that many in the United States uh, have been diagnosed with nomophobia. It, it consumes their lives and it causes them to miss work and lose sleep and go into deep depression. They spend large sums of money. They even tear up and demolish their houses and, and uh, you know, uh, 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 they experience fits of rage. They become so mentally and emotionally dysfunctional at times and some even refuse to eat, bathe, or even take one more step because they're nomophobic. What is nomophobia? Now, some of you probably already Google it, but nomophobia is the fear of being without your mobile phone. Fifty percent of the people in the United Kingdom have nomophobia, and almost fifty percent of the people in the United States suffer from nomophobia. I mean, they fear losing their phone. They fear losing battery, that the battery are losing cellular service. Do you know they will alter which way they drive? They will go and drive another 50 miles on a trip just not to lose cell service. It bothers them. It speaks to them. They fear their battery going down. And if they lose their phone, they will completely tear their whole house up looking for it. They can't stand the thought of leaving home without their phone. Some suffer such extreme nomophobia that they experience panic attacks. Some are so severe that they have to have their hand on their phone all the time. Even when they're sleeping and they wake up and it's falling off the bed, they, they get up and they get on their hands and knees and crawl and look everywhere. I mean, literally, can't I got to find my, got to have my phone. Okay. As I said... Fear itself is not unreasonable, but unrealistic fear is. It's not going to kill you to be without social media for a day or a week. Oh, that was tough. Well, you thought it was going to stay for an hour, didn't you? I said a day and some of you almost went into panic mode. Nomophobia. You see, fear stops us. Fear shuts us down. Fear torments us. Fear controls us, captivates us. It distracts us and, and detours us in life. Fear causes us to lose confidence. It diminishes our strength. It lets us you know, live in, in, in such turmoil. It lies to us. Fear limits our potential. Fear wants to destroy your life. Fear has torment. The Bible says through fear of death, men live in torment all of their life because they're afraid to die and afraid of what's going to happen afterwards. One of the things God said, don't be afraid of. The only thing I think that we need to fear is something that's bigger and stronger than our God. And for me, that just ain't going to happen. For Mary... For Mary to have been afraid of her future would have been unreasonable. 
Why? Because God sent a messenger to say, do not be afraid. I am with you. I'm going to be with you. Do not be afraid. You have received the favor of God. You've been chosen by God. You are highly favored. You are blessed by God. Do not be afraid. For Mary to have said, oh, I'm just still so afraid, would have been unreasonable. It didn't mean that she was going to have an easy life. But it meant she was favored of God. Imagine with me what it would be like to have the favor of God on your life. Imagine. If I had the favor of God on my life, I'd be unstoppable. Man, can you imagine that? A messenger sent by God to say, don't be afraid. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to favor you. It may not be easy, but I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And I have a plan. And when, when we get through this, man, listen, I, your eye has not seen, your ear has not heard, and neither has entered into your heart those things which I have prepared for you. Don't be afraid. It may not be easy, but I'm going to be with you. You have my favor. You are blessed. Can you imagine if God showed up and said that to you? If he sent a messenger? Well, guess what? He did. Here I am, giving you the word of God this morning. Just like an angel from heaven. I am telling you that God has said, do not be afraid. It may not be easy, but I'll be with you every step. I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I have a plan for your life. I'm going to bless you and I have favored you. Do you know when, 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 when Jesus was about 33 years old, he was speaking to a crowd and some lady, you know, spoke up in the crowd. Look what it says in, in Luke 11 verse 27. And it happened as Jesus spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to Jesus, blessed is the womb that that bore you and the breast which nursed you yes blessed is Mary Mary is blessed we know that we've already read it and that's what they're saying to Jesus he's 33 years old about to go to the cross here in about 10 days and here they say your mother is blessed and Jesus acknowledges that yes she is sure she is I agree with that but look what he says in verse 28 but he said more than that more blessed than Mary More than that, blessed are those who hear my word or hear the word of God and keep it. You're more blessed. You have potential to be more blessed than Mary. Why? Because Mary carried the Son of God for only nine months. You get to carry him through your whole life. You have been chosen by God. You have been chosen and you are favored and blessed. Do not be afraid. It would be unreasonable to be afraid of your future. That the things you're going to go through, thinking you're going through them alone, or thinking that God's not going to be there and help you through every moment. Jesus said, yeah, mom was blessed, but you have the potential to be more blessed than that. If you'll just hear what I'm saying and put it into practice in your life. This morning, that's going to to be our goal. 
more than just learning how to practice Christianity. Let me introduce you to the person of Jesus Christ. We're not here today trying to make bad people better. We're here today to make dead people live. We're not here today trying to learn how to practice Christianity. We are here today trying to get more of Jesus in our life. To let him live through us in a greater way. He fills us to overflowing. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the author and the finisher. He is the Prince of Peace. He's the Lamb of God. He's the Son of God. He is the soon coming King. But He wants to be your friend. He wants to live in your life more and more. You see this festival of lights that begins today in Israel. This festival that was going on at the time in this season of the year when Gabriel was sent to Mary. This festival of lights was a festival of dedication and rededication of a temple. Well, guess what? You are the temple of God. And today I'm going to ask you to consider doing one of two things. Number one, either dedicating your life to God so that God will send Jesus. As you receive him into your life, you can carry him. You are highly favored, more blessed, more potentially blessed and favored than Mary. Dedicate your life to him. Simply, simply turn your life over to him. If you've never dedicated your life to him, do it. Watch what happens, okay? Number two, perhaps you have dedicated your life. They had built a temple in Jerusalem, but today is a day that commemorates a rededication of that temple. Some of us need to rededicate our lives to Christ and need to follow it up in 2020 with dedicating and rededicating our lives to Christ every day. Won't you? Won't you just open up your heart for a moment? Bow your head, open your heart. Pray this prayer with me right now. Just right where you're sitting. It can make the same difference that it made in Mary's life. All she did was said yes. All Mary said at the end of that conversation with that messenger was yes. So be it. Be it unto me according to what you have said. Okay? Just say that right now in your heart. As we pray, Father, today, Lord, we pray a prayer of dedication over our lives. Lord, we dedicate our lives to you, sir. Jesus, come into our lives. Forgive us of our sins. Save our souls. And today, we dedicate our lives to you. If you can do anything with my life, here it is. I know it may not be easy, but I know you'll be with me every step of the way. Thank you, Lord, for the favor, for the opportunity, for choosing me today to send Jesus into my life. Thank you. Now, Lord, the rededication. Father, many of us, Lord, need to rededicate. Every day, rededicate our lives to you. Praying a prayer of saying to you, Jesus, fill our lives to overflowing. Change our minds. Change what we think, what we feel, what we want to reflect what you feel, think, and want. Lord, that too may not be easy. But we choose today that we are not going to live in fear. We're not going to be afraid of this life or the life to come.
We are not going to be afraid because we have been favored. We've been given an opportunity. We've been chosen. And today, we declare, Jesus, here we are, dedicated and rededicated to you. Use us as a light shining in others' darkness. In the name of Jesus.